I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, just as Jamie referenced earlier. Who here has seen the giant redwood trees in California? Have you seen them personally? Apparently, they're quite awe-inspiring. Here's a picture uh, of the redwood trees. Now, I've learned that there are sequoia redwoods, and then there are redwood trees. And they're related, but they are kind of distinct. Uh, But redwood trees are some of the largest living things on earth. The tallest trees in the world. They can reach over 300 feet in the air. That's a 30-story building. It's a very tall tree. And they can live over 2,500 years. Imagine that, a tree older than when Jesus walked the planet. Uh, What's surprising is their ability to withstand all the elements, the high winds and the earthquakes in California and the fires and the storms, all while having a relatively shallow root system. It's incredible to think that trees that are centuries old, that each weigh up to 500 tons and reach over 300 feet tall can stand with roots that go down only six to 10 feet. Now, here's the secret. Their roots grow outward and interlock with the roots of other redwood trees in the grove. They interweave each other's roots. They literally hold each other up. Sounds like the church should be, doesn't it? It makes me think of what God would design in and for us through community. It's a great illustration of what we should be like, that our strength and our health as a community is found in the Holy Spirit as we are connected to one another. No man is an island. Christianity is not a lone ranger sport. A lot of people want to be that, but that's not how Jesus designed it. The strength of a church is not found in the size of its budget or the grandeur of its building or the eloquence of its preaching or the multitudinous of its programs. Its vitality is found in its community and its togetherness and how it is interwoven, interdependent on God first and into our relationships with one another, where we are bound together as brothers and sisters who strengthen one another in the midst of life's storms. When the winds come at us and the hurricanes are there and the earthquakes shake, our connectedness helps us stand strong where we are rooted and grounded in God's love for our communal family. That's a picture. Rich Velotis, pastor in Brooklyn, says, the Bible is more communal than individual. Jesus teaches us to pray our father, not my father. Paul uses the phrase, our Lord, 53 times, and my Lord, only one time. Jesus is my personal savior is not a phrase found in scripture. We are the people of God. We belong to one another. Can you say amen? Amen. Good. I'm at the right church. 
Here's one of my favorite passages I have to turn to in Acts 2.42 that illustrates the importance of community life, the importance that we are in this thing together. I feel like I'm doing a high school musical right now. I'm not going to sing it, but I could. My daughter was, she started it, right, Grace? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, here we go. Verse 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What an amazing picture of community. De devoted. I love that word, devoted to one another, devoted to the apostles' teaching, the teaching that Jesus himself gave, and now the apostles are turning and sharing it with everyone else. And they gave themselves, devoted themselves to fellowship and to breaking of bread, having meals together, and then to prayer and fervent prayer, worshiping God and with extravagant generosity by everyone, for everyone, and the power of the Holy Spirit being revealed in their midst through signs and wonders. That's a great church. I said, that's a great church. Are you awake? All right. I know we just got done with the fast, but it's, it's time to keep, keep tuned in here. All right. While they're attending the temple together, the Bible says, they were certainly going and they were certainly moving about in the city, gaining favor by God. What's mostly happening here is happening in their homes. It's happening in the homes throughout the city with the Lord adding to their number day by day, those that were being saved, not just the day of Pentecost, but day by day those who are meeting Jesus, being convicted of their sin, responding, repenting to him, having him come into their lives, giving them new life, being baptized, and then filled with the Holy Spirit. This was an ongoing process for them. I'm not suggesting that these verses here is, are the ultimate pattern that we're somehow supposed to replicate right down to the very last word, what they did, but I am suggesting that this is a glorious picture of what happens when the Holy Spirit falls on his people and forms them into a community of Jesus followers. When the Holy Spirit falls on his people, a miracle occurs. And the result of that is a church, a community, a group of people who choose to follow him together as one body in the Lord. And Jesus had told his disciples that they would need to wait after he ascended into heaven. They would need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit who would come upon them. And then that would make them effective witnesses for him, not only in Jerusalem, 
But then he said, in Judea and Samaria and even the uttermost parts of the earth. He's like, this is big time, guys. This is the whole earth. Jim Newsom was with us last week talking about the fact that Jesus had been talking this way all along. It took some more revelation for them to get it. But his plan was always the same, that his witness would go throughout the whole earth. And after he ascended to the Father, that's what they did. They went and waited. They went back to a room in, in Jerusalem, an upper room, and they gathered. They waited, waited and prayed. They prayed for 10 days. And then on the first day of the week during the Feast of Pentecost, with 120 of them gathered in this room, this upper room in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell on them with power. There was no manipulation of emotions here. There was no conjuring up something cheering people, getting people to clap on one and three or two and four. There was no need for any hype. The Holy Spirit zapped them. He fell down with power. It was like fire falling down out of heaven. And where they were, it was shaken. The building where they were sitting and praying was shaken. And, and there, there appeared what seemed to be tongues of fire resting upon each one of them. And they were filled with this Holy Spirit that caused them to utter new languages they had never learned, spilling out into the street, declaring praises in languages that, that, that no one there had been taught. The Holy Spirit, when he falls, things happen. I'm all for the Holy Spirit falling today. I'm not interested in pumping people up, but I am interested in the Holy Spirit filling us up. And if he does that in our midst, we will be changed. It caused such a commotion that a crowd gathered. They were all there for the Feast of Pentecost. They were hearing God being praised in their own language because these were Jews from all over the, 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 the travel to world. People from other nations, but were Jewish by, by either birth or by, by being proselytized into it. They were hearing God's praise in their own language. And they're like, what is going on? These people are crazy. They're acting so outside the box. They got to be drunk. That's what they first think. It's nine o'clock in the morning, but yep, I think they've been hitting the booze. You know what I'm saying? They're wild. What's happening? Peter jumps up like, no, 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 no. We're not drunk. This is what the prophet Joel promised, that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And our sons and daughters, they would prophesy. This was a promise that God had made and it was being fulfilled right before their very eyes. And the Holy Spirit was still at work. Because this crowd that has gathered around looking at them, they begin to sense something and people start getting under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and many bark out, what must we do to be saved? And on that day, 3,000 were added to their number. What a day. Holy Spirit fire falling, the glory of God being revealed the power of God being poured into these simple servants of Jesus. Fire, glory, power. 
Here's a question for us. If you're the leader of a prayer meeting where fire, glory, and power fall, what do you do next? What do you do next? You probably come back the next day, hope it happens again. That's what most of us want to do. We want to keep it going. We'd like to have some more of that, please. Thank you, sir. I'll have another. You might even try to replicate it. When revival breaks out, it causes a stir and it draws a crowd. Many of us have been a part of revivals where God's spirit moves so dramatically, everything's different. Where we don't want to be anywhere except wherever he's pouring out his spirit. We'll go distances to get there. I remember the days when I was a kid where we'd travel halfway across the country just to get to a place so we could get in the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit falls, you want to be there. That's a good thing. I remember the Brownsville revivals, the Toronto blessing of the 1990s. People flock to those places to get in on what God is doing. Maybe he'll drop it again. Maybe he'll come down on me this time. I know I wasn't there when it first started, but maybe it'll happen. We're no month seven, month eight, month nine. Keep it coming, Lord. Keep it coming. Let the blessings be poured out upon us. I remember when a whole bunch of us had a camp about 25, 30 years ago and the Holy Spirit started meeting us there and we had youth groups calling up. Hey, we'd like to come. We hear God's doing things at your camp. Just this last year, we saw in Asbury, all of a sudden, a student-led revival. The Holy Spirit meets upon them and God starts doing some tremendous things there. What do people do? I'm going to Louisville. They start booking tickets. You got all sorts of celebrity preachers coming in trying to piggyback on what God is doing. I get it. I want to be where the Holy Spirit falls too. But that's not what this group did on the day of Pentecost. They took the power of Pentecost and formed small communities of Jesus devoted to the teaching of Jesus. And they broke bread and they fellowshiped and they prayed and they worshiped not at the temple, not even back in the upper room where it first happened, but in their homes in small communities all over the city. Now, I don't know if that's a strategy for keeping a revival going. I don't know if that's how we do it today. I don't know. I'm not judging what happens today. I'm just saying on this day, God had a different design. And I wonder if it's his design for every move of God that we might experience. I wonder if what he's always meant is not for us to be the recipients of it, but to be the transmitters of it wherever we go. I wonder if what he means is for us to not keep going night after night after night after night to the place where we meet God, but rather as we meet God, we go wherever we are into the streets and he works through us to another person that needs the love and power of God revealed as well. I think that's more of what God has in mind. Our church was born in the midst of a move of God. This church, born in the 1970s, in the midst of a charismatic renewal happening all over this nation. Some of us were a part of it. Some of us have grown up in it. This church became a central place, but it, what it was was 
not this building. It was a group of small groups meeting all over this city in Dunwoody and Buckhead and Shambly and Doraville. I got the brochure, four small groups that were meeting in homes all over this city. It started that way. They would go places to meet God and to receive the power of God in their lives, to experience his presence, to be set free from things that had bound them and to be delivered of things that had held them. But they also went back home and worked as a small community, reflecting the power of God wherever they were, wherever they worked, whatever, wherever they lived. This church wasn't a program. It wasn't a strategy. It wasn't a menu of small groups you can choose from. It was the move of God that resulted in people wanting to be together, experiencing his presence, but passing it on to other people. And while we weren't perfect, and we're not perfect now, and I'm not trying to perfectly replicate what once was, I am praying that the Holy Spirit would continue to be poured out on us with fire and power and glory. And I am hopeful that we will do more than just gather here on Sundays to experience it, but that we will get more of it in us so that as we go out there, it can be distributed to those that need it so desperately. I pray that it'll take hold of us, that it will motivate us, that the Holy Spirit will form us into small communities of Jesus who are meeting in homes all over this county, all over this region, pushing us outward, giving us favor that comes from God, even with all the people that we might meet. And the Lord adding to us day by day, all those who are being saved. Lord, let it happen with us. Here's the thing, it is happening. It's happening more than what we may even realize. There are things going on outside these four walls that only the Holy Spirit could have enacted, only the Holy Spirit could have empowered, only the Holy Spirit can do. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what you're doing beyond these four walls. Help us, Lord, lay down our lives and be a part of your purpose in the world today. Now, let me reel it back just a bit and give you a few reasons why I think this is so critical for us in this season, in the culture in which we live. One of the biggest reasons is that there is an epidemic of loneliness in our culture today. People are lonely. They feel isolated they feel separated. And that kind of loneliness can't be cured by sitting in a church auditorium. It can be helped, but what helps even more is when people are heard and seen and known and they're walking intimately with a group of other believers who are challenging and praying and believing God for them. That's where loneliness gets dealt with, not sitting in a pew somewhere. I love what we do on Sundays, but this is not the ultimate answer. The answer is way beyond what we assemble to do on Sundays. It is what we do with our lives throughout the week. There are people that need to hear. I said I was going to stop preaching. Okay. We have got an epidemic in our country of loneliness 
One survey showed that 58% of adults have found themselves lonely or isolated at least once in the last 30 days. Another, Another foundation did a survey that said one in five Americans say they are always or most always lonely or isolated. Imagine that, 20% who say they're always lonely or almost always lonely. And and more than half of those say that that loneliness greatly impacts their relationships and even their health, leading to depression, cardiac disease, all sorts of things. And while you can connect with Facebook group for virtually any known hobby or activity, or you can follow the lives of faraway people from the comfort of your own sofa, or while you can join a gaming community and never have to leave your home, or while you can attend church in the palm of your hand, these virtual communities offer only a token chance of the power of being interlocked with one another. Where when the winds and storms of life blow, you have something that secures you, that holds you, that lifts you up, that stands by you. A virtual group just can't do that. It's a poor substitute. The truth is, is that most people who find their identity in social media find themselves more lonely than anyone else. Studies have shown that too. True community, like we see in this early church here in Acts 2.42, is something we all desperately need and something a lot of us are looking for. And yet, it's not really something we can go about finding. Community is not something you find. Community is something you build. We'd we'd like to find a self-prepackaged community somewhere you know, like that all-expense-inclusive trip to Disneyland or something. Like it's all just a package deal. Or even better, we'd like it if we can pick the pieces of community that we want. Like ordering a burrito or a bowl at Chipotle. You know, you just pick and choose. You curate exactly what you're hankering for. Well, that looks good. That sounds good. Start with some brown rice and black beans, you know, for diversity's sake. Add some meaty preaching. How about a little pico de worship? You know, spicy, but not too spicy. Not too loud, just right amount. A dab of sour cream for when we get crabby and want to complain. You know, let's do the walk. All the kids love the walk. The walk's good. But not that queso. Nobody likes cheesy church. Let's just pick and choose what makes our bowl delicious to us. If it can't be prepackaged, maybe we can pick and make it what we want it to be. We've turned community and church into a consumer good. And if we don't like what we've ordered, well, it's okay. There's another burrito place down the street. People church hopping, trying to figure out what's best for them, what's meeting all their needs, what's doing all this stuff. And listen, I'm not opposed to God leading people where they need to be planted, but that's the point. Go where God is leading you to be planted. And don't just go and and pick and choose and have a smorgasbord of what you like. We're not a golden corral. (laughs) 
that place is, never mind. <laughs> Brother Yao likes it, so I'm going to be careful. <laughs> Eugene Park is a pastor in South Carol- uh, South- Southern California. He, he offers some advice for how we can avoid a consumeristic approach to community. How we can get out of the picking and choosing and we can get into the building and investing, laying down our lives, giving ourselves to what God has called us to do. First, he says, don't try to be an architect, be a builder. Don't try to lay out the plans, be someone who picks up a tool and goes to work. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, said this, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Many of us want to be architects rather than builders, dreaming up a community rather than committing to where God has planted us or where God may be uprooting us and replanting us somewhere else for his purpose. God does that. I'm so grateful for the way the Lord has added to us over the last 18 months. We have many new faces, many new people here. And I trust and pray that God has led you each step of the way. Can I just say this? If he hasn't, God won't bless you where you choose to go. Go where he is leading you to go. And then be a blessing where he has planted you. And get planted. Get under authority in that church. Be submitted there. Be committed there. Don't just attend and show up and then pick and choose what you might want elsewhere. That's how God made it for us. I realize the temptation to do it. There's a lot of great churches around here. I'm friends with a lot of the pastors in this region. I'm so grateful that we're not the only church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, in Gwinnett County. But I want a people and I want to be a part of a people who know God has called us to be together. And therefore, we're not going to pick and choose, but rather we're going to pick up tools and build and equip what God wants for us to do. We clutch our own blueprints rather than embrace the, the people God has placed us with. And we try to be the designer rather than being a part of the design. And God's design of church and community is far more glorious than something that we can dream up, even if you're a great pastor like me. (laughs) That was sarcasm. I hope you know. Okay. Secondly, we should remember that building community will result in as much friction as it does comfort. I I heard that... go through the crowd. We're all looking for comfort. But growth takes friction. It takes strain. It takes work. Consumer approaches to finding community naturally favor the path of least resistance. Just where I feel comfortable and I feel good and I'm blessed and we're happy and this is wonderful. But to get community, real, authentic, healthy community that God has designed, it has to be more than something we would choose for ourselves. Naturally, you might choose what's less complicated, but God actually might put you in a place designed for you to be changed 
and others that you walk with to be changed. And that's how he does things. There's a process of sanctification, not just for you, but for his people at large. Like anything else we might build, building community takes work and it takes sweat and it takes tears and it takes working through things with people, wrestling with people, asking for forgiveness, working to improve things. Our preferences will be challenged. Conflicts will arise. Our commitment to love each other will be stretched and yet we'll be challenged repeatedly that scripture tells us to care for one another in the midst of it and love one another and prefer one another and forgive one another. And out of this, we will love one another the way Jesus requires us to do and they will know we're Christians by our love for one another. That's how they know. Some of you are very easy for me to love. And others, not so much. I'm just being honest. And I'm sure I'm not all that loving or lovable or something. I'm sure there are times you think, what is his deal? Why is he always hounding on the church or whatever it is that I do? I'm that queso on your Chipotle bowl. Man, I wish they'd given me the walk. They gave me Pastor Queso up there. But we are called to walk together in community. And where you do that is not simply on a Sunday morning. It's when you get involved in a small group and you have to be accountable to one another. You have to be submitted one to another. That's, the Bible says that. You know that, right? We have to actually prefer one another, love one another. We have to lay down our lives for one another. What? I don't even like what they do. I'm getting really loose. I need to be very careful here. We have to be committed to work through conflict and challenge. If we know God has called us to be there, then it is our commitment to work through it so that God can be glorified in our midst. If God is leading us to be elsewhere, then we need to follow him in doing that. We need to come and say, this is what God is saying to me. And let us as a community pray for you and send you out and bless you. Because we're all a part of the body of Christ here. But when it comes to being in this church, either be in it. Or go where you need to go. Wow, I did not mean to go there. Okay. Finally, we have to build community on the foundation that is Jesus. He is our everything. He is the foundation upon which our lives are built. We sang the song, build my life on you. He is the chief cornerstone. Even if we're desperate to find community to fill some empty part of our life because we really need this, we have to remember, we won't find it in that We will only find it in him. He is the answer. He may use community, your small group, a pastor, a leader, a friend, a community to help you, but he's the source of all life. And that's the one we look to to provide for our needs. 
The church exists to remind everyone that your real life is in him, not in what you can do for him. Paul said this to the Ephesian church. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. Sounds like a bunch of red oak, I mean redwood trees. It's joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We want to make sure that our community is built on Jesus. We're not the architect, we're builders. We're not the architect, we're builders. Building community will result with much friction as well as comfort. And finally, Jesus is the foundation. So that's it. I believe God wants us to have real community where we're really walking with each other, strengthening one another like a grove of redwood trees. And when the, the storms of life bellow up against us, we will have the strength of the Holy Spirit given to us as we are connected to one another, where we are rooted and grounded in his love for us as his people, and where we resist the trend of curating what we like and where we start building towards the community that he has designed us to be. Let's not look to find community that fits our plans, but let's build the household of God according to his plan. Amen. Amen. My wife is going to come and join me, and we are going to pray for you. I appreciate your grace, and, uh, and I, I trust that the, in the spirit of what has been shared, that, it's, that you're, hopefully you're not offended. If you are, please come see me. That's that conflict we have to work out, okay? She said I was spicy chicken today. <laughs> That's because I'm hot. <laughs> she thinks so. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to read a section of scripture out of Ephesians 4 and a little bit out of 5, and it's not as much as it sounds. Um, Go for it. <laughs> he says, I, I want you to get out there and walk. Mm. Better yet, run. On the road that God has called you to travel and do this with humility and discipline not in fits and starts but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love yeah. alert at noticing differences and mending fences you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction so stay together both outwardly and inwardly mm. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all and works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with his oneness. Yes. 
Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has given our own gift. And these gifts are to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within his body until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from him. He is the source of everything that we do. Yes. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up and be healthy in God, robust in love. He wants you to take on this entirely new way of living, a God-fashioned life, renewed from the inside and working itself out in our conduct so that God is accurately reproducing his character in us. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other. So watch the way you talk. Be gentle. Be sensitive. Forgive one another quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgives you. Watch what God does and then go do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how he has loved us. His love is not cautious, but extravagant. He doesn't love in order to get something, but to give everything of himself to us. So go and love like that. My goodness. Let's pray together. Help us, Lord. Yes. Father, thank you for giving us ears to hear. And that when you speak, that your word penetrates us the way we think, how we feel, our experience. You bring the real truth. And that explodes in us and helps us shake off the things that don't belong. Jesus. Thank you for the, the power of Holy Spirit conviction, which calls us up that we might truly grow up into you, our head, until your character is what is expressed in us. Yes, Lord. Father, even as you're speaking to us individually and what our role in community is, you are speaking to us as a community, the oneness that you've already called us to be. You're not confused about who we are or where we are, or where we're headed. And so we submit to you today with all that we have, with all that we are, and we say, your will be done in us individually, in us as families, and in us as a family of believers. We thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for what your Holy Spirit is doing among us.
We've heard of past generations. We've heard of your fame. We've heard of your works, the the things that you did in days gone by. We read about it in scripture. We hear about it from our fathers. We read about it in history books. But what we're asking for is that you would do it again in our day. I believe you already are. I believe you're already moving. I pray that you open our eyes, Lord, to see it and join you in it. I pray, God, that your spirit would not just bless us, but would infill us, empower us, change us, and revive us into your glory, into your purpose, into your way. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be a community that is authentic because of what you are doing, where we stand together, where we are interwoven with one another, strengthening one another, building one another up, edifying one another for the glory of God. And then in that place, Lord, others will be added to us where they can find that strength and that community and deal with loneliness and despair. Lord, I pray that those that you have called to be here, Lord, would be fully immersed in your purpose, committed, Lord, to what you're calling us to. And I pray, Lord, for those that will come, those that will hear the message of good news, the the story that will set their hearts free and unlock them to the purpose of God. Lord, we pray that that would be even more of an increase this year, even more of an increase in these coming months through our small groups throughout the city, when we gather on Sundays, when we go into neighborhoods and love people, when we go into high schools or into our workplaces or wherever you have us, Lord, living our lives as ambassadors of your reconciliation. Lord, let us see what you're doing, I pray. Let it be working in us and through us, I ask. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.